We are back. There's an item that I wanted to uh, talk about previously that I think we should do, I guess, now. <laughs> Why not now? Apparently, um, British legislator George Galloway made quite a, quite a fuss in talking to the Senate a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned on last week's show that this was, uh, his remarks were now removed from the Senate's website. And uh, I, was, I didn't get a chance to see this, so I was curious to see what it is he said. Uh, Here's how The Economist covered it. Gorgeous George takes the stand. A virtuoso performance in Washington, but the show is not over yet. The rogue British MP's assault on the committee and the Bush administration pushed him to the top of the news in Britain, and even conservative publications admiring his nerve. In America, such liberal bastions of the New York Times banished him to the inside pages, and he only got a quick mention on the network newscasts. In terms of entertainment value, this was America's loss. The altercation between the rambunctious Scottish representative and Norm Coleman, the committee's increasingly bewildered Republican chairman for the lickspittle of George Bush, as the MP sees him, was parliamentary theater of the sort Congress too rarely witnesses. Repeatedly, Mr. Galloway gave the impression that Mr. Coleman was the one who was under investigation. He denounced the oil-for-food inquiry as the mother of all smokescreens designed to distract people from the illegality of the Iraq war. When asked how many times he'd met Saddam Hussein, he said twice, the same number of times as America's defense secretary. The difference is, Donald Rumsfeld met him to sell him guns. I met him to try and bring about an end to sanctions, suffering, and war. The Cox News Service here at at home quoted Galloway as saying, You're trying to divert attention from the crimes that you supported from the theft of billions of dollars of Iraq's wealth. Galloway went on to tell Coleman, I told the world that your case for the war was a pack of lies. Pointing to the Bush administration's pre-war contention that Iraq had stockpiles of chemical and biological weapons, you turned out to be wrong, and 100,000 people have paid with their lives. 1,600 of them American soldiers sent to their deaths on a pack of lies. 15,000 of them wounded, many of them disabled forever, on a pack of lies. The article by Kevin Diaz ended by saying, Senate committee hearings are normally steeped in protocol demanding deferential dealings with the senators. Galloway recognized no such tradition. To that I say, bravo, Mr. Galloway. Why isn't our press asking those tough questions? Why do we have to have a British MP come over and challenge uh, this stuff? I don't know. Uh, Judith Miller, who we mentioned in the last segment, um, has been you know, beating the drum for this uh, oil for food stuff. The, the conservatives are loving this. They're trying to make a huge scandal out of this. I, again, I think we've said on this show before, again, Uh, Apparently, the oil for nerve gas program of previous Republican administrations, uh, i.e. Reagan-Bush, doesn't seem to upset these people. It's the oil for food that has them disturbed. We would like to refer you again to the July-August 2004 issue of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists for the article by Herbert L. Abrams on Weapons of Miller's Descriptions describing how New York Times reporter Judith Miller authored many stories later found to be misleading or downright false. 
Also from the pile of recycled articles, worth mentioning again, we, we talked about it in February, that currently Gulf War pilots who were tortured by Iraqis back during the original Gulf War are trying to collect compensation from the Iraqi government. Well, the Iraqi government is being defended by James Baker. Yes, the man who spearheaded the effort in election 2000 to make sure that uh, that so-called 537-vote majority of George Bush would make him president and that no recount would take place. That James Baker is uh, working to defend the Iraqis against American servicemen suing for compensation for being tortured. We will continue to follow that one. And I think, uh, I think uh, Stephen Valentino has mentioned the subject of um, peak oil on his public affairs program here on KDVS. We've mentioned it as well. It's now, uh, it's now mainstream. It's not just on uh, Stop Making Sense. It's actually mainstream Associated Press. Geologists say world's oil supply may run dry. Duh! That one will follow also. In, in, a, in a not unrelated story, the Hummer of Sacramento is now open for business. Uh, you should take a look at these beautiful color ads in the Sacramento Bee showing all these Hummers. The Hummer, of course, was uh, popularized by bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger when it first came out as a possible civilian vehicle. Um, Arnold went on to some, you know, bigger and better things. The Hummer, on the other hand, is being replaced as being slow and plodding. We're going we're gonna to make some inquiries, I think, with Hummer of Sacramento about, uh, about getting ourselves a slow and plodding, heavy, large vehicle. By the way, that was the Army's description of their own vehicle, slow and plodding. Robert Reich warned us that if there was to be a second Bush administration, that religious fundamentalists would be teaching creationism everywhere, getting federal dollars pumped into religious organizations. This is happening. We're going to talk to Hannah Shakespeare, film documentarian, about uh, some familiarity she has with the large megachurch in uh, Colorado Springs, which is very influential, and, and that hopefully will take place in the next week or two. But uh, Reich was right. All across the country, we're seeing creationist museums. Apparently, there's one in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which uh, apparently has a diorama showing Adam and Eve living with a vegetarian Tyrannosaurus Rex, <laughs> with a recorded message at the museum saying, they live together without fear, for there was no death yet. You know, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I, I don't recall anywhere in the book of Genesis mention of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, let alone a vegetarian version. And if you haven't been able to find your car keys lately, you might be able to blame the tsunami that took place in Southeast Asia because it turns out the magnitude 9.15 quake moved every spot on the surface of the planet by at least a centimeter although the seismic waves moved so slowly that that was actually imperceptible in most places. And believe it or not, the Earth is still vibrating from that quake. They say that uh, they can still detect about a half a micrometer vibration, which is expected to continue for a few more months. And a somewhat, I find this somewhat astounding breakthrough of late, uh, they've found a way to induce in fruit flies the same sort of genetic abnormality that turns up in human patients, which have a condition called Fragile X. 
It turns out that humans with fragile X lack a particular gene, F. MR1 that produces a protein that's crucial for the functioning of, uh, of nerve synapses. Well, they found that the fruit flies that lack this protein apparent, apparently respond to lithium chloride and other types of drugs which have been useful in humans. So they've actually now got a model in animals for this condition. This is going to have some interesting results. Stay tuned for that. Speaking of nerve tissue, it, uh, there's been a study now showing that exposure to pesticides might increase your risk of getting Parkinson's disease. Uh, they did a retrospective study showing that people that, uh, that uh, had a higher exposure to pesticides had a higher rate. Of course, more research must be done there, but that is an interesting um, finding. And uh, final item of the day, we'll do more science in future shows, don't worry. We didn't get as much as I'd like in today, but we'll make up for that. Uh, final story, the NCAA is pondering the future of Indian nicknames, proving that people at the NCAA apparently have too much time on their hands. Gotta tell you, working with the Navajo population down in New Mexico, I just didn't see anybody taking offense with, uh, you know, the Braves, the Indians, the Redmen. I mean, everybody was wearing uh, wearing the paraphernalia of the Cleveland Indians and the, the Atlanta Braves. I don't know. I just think that uh, some people are just, you know, got too again too much time on their hands. But but there was an article in, by Paul Whitney in the Edmonton Sun, which we came across, that noted that Canadians are now free to insult one another uh, after a ruling that a boss can call a Native American employee Kimosabi if he feels like it. Now, apparently a woman from the Micmac tribe in Nova Scotia brought lawsuit last year claiming that she found the nickname racist and demeaning. But after, quote, several hours watching Lone Ranger reruns, unquote, the court determined that Tonto's pet name for his mass companion was a term of respect. Of course, Tonto was a native of the 1950s TV show and Kimo Sabi referred to his white boss. While in the civil case, the name was used in the opposite way, but it was decided no matter. The point is, for Canadians, this rule is liberating. Now we can call each other whatever we want, as long as we base the name on television characters that respect one another. Well, that about does it for this week's program. Our uh, final thanks go to William Turner, a, a distinguished uh, a distinguished investigative journalist who we are privileged to bring to you on this show. Tune in again next week for what I think will be a fascinating interview with Dr. Konstantin Pleshikov, visiting professor at Mount Holyoke College and the author of a book called Stalin's Folly. I can promise you an interesting talk with him next Thursday at 5. So we'll see you then. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. Now, uh, stay tuned for Todd. Todd.